And today, the title of today is, is Don't Waste a Good Thing. I almost, I almost spelled it thang, like with an A, but I, I just didn't, I didn't go that route. But we're going, what, don't waste a good thing. You'll, you'll understand why, why I, I gave it that title in just a minute. You know, <clears throat> there are a lot of people that work with the English language and just with, with English phrases. And for a lot of those that are especially people that are outside of the U.S. that are learning English, have learned that oftentimes there are things in the English language that when you say one thing, you, you mean it one way and someone can hear it and, and, and hear it a totally different way. I mean, especially in Louisiana, you can say one thing like, hey, you want to go have, some, you go have some, some dinner or some supper? How many say supper? Who says supper? Who says dinner? Who says dinner? Yeah, see, we're trying to figure out here. Um, I've heard people say different things like that. How many of you say icebox for the refrigerator? Icebox? Yeah, all those people are the, over the age of 40. Um, <laughs> let me say, it was, it was true, wasn't it? <laughs> icebox? All right. We say, different, we say different things and we mean different things. It's just how it works. And, and often, English language can be so confusing because we can say one thing and mean something totally different. And so I just started writing, like, have you ever noticed, like, it's weird that we park on driveways, but we drive on parkways? Like, that's just weird. That's weird how, you ever, you ever notice, like, your, your nose smell, uh, your, your, um, your nose runs, but your feet smell? Talk about make somebody, what? Nose runs, feet smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just trying to, just saying. Why do doctors call what they do practice? I mean, shouldn't they be good at it by now? I mean, let's, come on. I want, a, I want a professional, okay? I don't want to practice. I want a professional. I've really thought this one, this was a big one for me. Have you ever noticed like when you drive up to, to your ATM and you go, you know, to get some money out, have you ever noticed why do they have braille dots on the drive through ATM? That's scary. That's scary, people. Uh, why, why don't psychics predict the winning lottery number and win the 1.6 billion? Just wondering. Um, and then here's the big one. And this one, I don't know if this one will ever be solved. Why can't women put on mascara with their mouth closed? (laughs) Right, it's just, was that too low? I'm sorry, okay. Okay, so let's let's go to the Bible, y'all. Come on, let's go. All right, so Mark chapter 14, let's jump into Mark chapter 14. So this is the story of of Jesus. It says, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from an essence of nard. Goes on and it says this. Next verse. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. And some of those at the table were indignant. Everybody say these next two words. Why? Say it again. Why? Why waste? Why are we wasting such an expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly, but Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing, now everybody say these next two things, a good thing, a good thing. If you got notes, I want you to underline why waste and I want you to underline good thing, okay? Why waste and, and good thing. You're going to always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. And she did what she could. We're going to come back to that. She did what she could, and she's anointed my body for burial ahead of time. And I tell you the truth that wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, now watch this, this woman's deed will be remembered. What's another word for that? 
Legacy. Legacy. This idea of legacy that we've been talking about for the last three weeks, I believe, is, is this story. Now, just so you can really kind of know the framework of what's going on here, the woman we know, um, we know her name because this story is actually one of the very rare stories that's actually recorded in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. There's a number of stories in Scripture that are not in all four of them, but this one was in all four of the passages of, of the Gospels. And in Mark, we find out um, that this lady is Mary. Now, here's the deal, and I, I just want to go ahead and kind of let you know, there's actually two stories of this. Jesus had this happen two different times, and by, both Mar- and by both of them, they were both named Mary. One was Mary Magdalene, and then there was this Mary. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She came in uh, when he was at a Pharisee's house, and she did almost kind of very similar thing, came up behind him, poured, poured uh, a perfume on him, but it wasn't this expensive one that we see in this story. This Mary, though, is a different Mary. This Mary is a very familiar Mary that many of you would know. This Mary, her sister is named Martha, and her brother's name is Lazarus. Now, this story is a setting. The setting of what's happening is that it's a guy, it's at a man's house named Simon. Now, most theologians believe that this Simon is actually Mary and Martha and Lazarus' dad, because Simon was a leper. And this story tells us that the Simon was a leper. He was healed by Jesus. And so here we are, Jesus, his disciples, friends and family are all gathered around at Simon's house, Mary and Martha. And of course now, raised to life, Lazarus is there and they're all sitting around the table. And can you imagine in this moment, Mary comes and brings one of the most expensive things that she owns, an incredible, expensive bottle of perfume. Not only does she bring it to the table, she then breaks it open and proceeds to pour this out on Jesus as he's sitting there having conversation. (laughs) This is legacy. And uh, for those that haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, I want to just give you uh, our working definition of legacy. This is what legacy is if you've taken notes. Legacy is this. Legacy is the future without you, but still influenced by you. Jesus said that what this woman did was so spectacular that from now on, every time the gospel is preached, this woman will always be remembered for what she did. That is legacy. That even though Mary today is not here, here we are 2,000 years later, and we are actually doing what Jesus prophesied. We are sharing the story of a woman that over 2,000 years ago did just a simple act. That is legacy. It reminds me of a, of a, of a commercial um, Steve Jobs, who was the owner, former owner of Apple before he passed away, when he passed away, there was a commercial that Apple did back in 1997. The title of this commercial was called Think Different. And if you know anything about Apple, Apple was known for thinking differently. A lot of the technology that we have nowadays has been so transformed because of what happened with Steve Jobs and Apple, and so they put out a commercial in 1997 called Think Differently. And it was this commercial where they featured people from all walks of life, from all different genres of life that had inspired, created, invented, and sacrificed to make a difference in the world. And they were showing pictures of actual people. They were showing pictures of Gandhi and pictures of uh, Amelia Earhart and Muhammad Ali and Dr. King and Jim Henson and Albert Einstein and Picasso. And, and as they were flashing this collage of pictures of all these people, 
there was a narration that was also going on. And this is what it said. Watch, listen to this. This is crazy. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they will have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them. You can disagree with them. You can glorify them or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is you can't ignore them. Because they change things and they push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see them as geniuses now. Because the people who are the crazy enough to think that they can actually change the world are the ones who actually do. Come on, how many want to be a part of the crazy ones? I think Mary fits into the crazy one. She was crazy. Because according to all of the guys sitting around at the table as she is doing this act and pouring out this extremely expensive perfume on Jesus, everybody at the table does not agree that this is the best decision that she could have made. She, of course, at that moment would have been deemed crazy. Have you lost your mind? And here we are in this moment, what this woman does grabs Jesus' attention. The disciples look at it and say, that's a waste. But Jesus looks at it and he says, it's a good thing. Other translations say it was a beautiful thing. What is it about this woman and what she did that made it a beautiful thing? Because I think we're all here today because we all want to make a difference with our lives. We, we want to not just exist, but we want to thrive as people. And so today I want us to look at this story of Mary, and I want us to look at what is it that she did that grabbed Jesus' attention, that he said, because of this one thing that she did, she will always be remembered. So I have two points today. You're going to love today because it's a short message. It's very short. Uh, I'm not going long because I feel like we, what we have to say today is pretty concise. Here's the first thing. If you want to make a difference, if you want to live a life of legacy, First thing is this, and this is what she did. Number one is you got to give what you have. You got to give what you have. Now, it was customary in those days for uh, when people were your guests to walk into your house that you would pull out some bottle of, of perfume or some, some kind of fragrance and, and give a spritz, a dab. Because people were walking in from from being outside in those days, there wasn't vehicles and cars, and so there was a lot of horses and a lot of walking, and so, of course, everything was often filthy. You usually would have your feet washed, which is what we see Jesus do right before he dies at the Last Supper. He washes his disciples' feet, and they would usually give you some form of, some small form of perfume just to make the room smell a little better, and you smell a little better. Mary did not go with just the common and the ordinary and the convenient. Mary went with the costly. She chose something that was absolutely the most precious to her. And I want you to look with me in verse 4, what, what happens when she does. Let's, let's go back and look at this. It says, some at, those t- at the table were indignant. And they said, why waste such an expensive perfume? It could have been sold for how much? Say it again. A year's wage and money given to the poor. This, this, this could have been sold for something so much more. I mean, it's a year's worth of salary that was poured out on this man's head. And you got you to gotta just ask the question, why? 
Do any of y'all know people in your family that are tightwads? Any people, any people know people that are tightwads? Come on, let's just be honest. Who's tightwads? Some of y'all just need to raise somebody's hand right next to you because you know that they are. I had, I had family members that, that were so tight that they would save uh, Ziploc bags. Anybody have people that would save Ziploc bags? They would clean them and air dry them out with a blower. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? That's craziness. That's tight. Come on, I mean, that's tight. And, and, and here we are in this, in this moment of, of extreme generosity, and the guys, it, notice it says they. It wasn't just one. Most people want to say it was just Judas. Was Judas was one of them. But it said they, they all. Which makes me think about this. How can you spend three years of your life walking with Jesus, seeing all that Jesus did, and then in a moment of extreme generosity where someone blesses Jesus and honors Jesus and gives him their greatest, that they would say, why would you waste that on him? That's what they're saying, right? We could have given the poor this. We could have given this to other people. Why would you waste that on him? That seems absolutely useless. I mean, think about it. Why the most expensive bottle? I mean, why couldn't she go to CVS and get some Dracar or something, you know, some, some Stetson? Come on, how many remember Stetson? Some Brute. How many remember Brute? Come on. If you wore Brute in here, we know. Um, so my, my, grand, my, 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 father, my father always wore Stetson. That's just what, he was a Stetson man. And he, he, didn't ride, he didn't ride horses or nothing, but he just, he loved Stetson. And my father could put on his Stetson cologne in his bathroom, in his room, and everybody in the house knew. Come on, how many of you got people like that? When they spray stuff, you know it. It's everywhere. So can you imagine? She did not spritz Jesus. She dumped it all on Jesus. Now, this, this perfume was so expensive because it came from the Himalayan mountains. It's a nard. It was a, that's, that's just a weird word to say, but it, it's just, it was some exquisite plant that produced this very, very valuable perfume that came along with it. And here she is. She takes what many believe to be really her life savings. I mean, think about this just for a minute. A year's worth of salary that she just says, in one moment, pours it all out. And of course, everybody at the table is like, what the heck is going on here? Like, do you not realize what you just did? But what the disciples saw as waste, Jesus saw as worship. I'm going to say that again. What the disciples saw as waste, Jesus saw as worship. I, I love, l- listen to what Jonathan Edwards said. Jonathan Edwards said this, the thing that is so shocking about Mary's act what it, was its total uselessness. That this, this, was, this was useless really to Jesus. I mean, he poured a bunch of cologne on him and then it's fragrance for a little while and then it's going to just kind of wear off. But it wasn't about what she was doing, it was about why she was doing it. Because for this woman, it was an act of declaring her love for Jesus and putting his worth on display. And that what others saw as waste, how many know Jesus saw as worship? 
And listen, we all know what this is like. Because there's probably people in your own family or friends of yours that think that you being here at church today is a waste of your time. But how many of you know, it's not a waste, it's worship. It's worship. When we say, hey, listen, Sundays, you know, we got, we got next step, kicks off next Sunday. Next Sunday, it's kicking off. And we stand up and say, man, let's go. This is your opportunity to get plugged in, to get planted in the house. And some, of, some people would say, well, that's just a waste. I got other things to do at 1115. I don't need to go spend an hour there. Two hours on two different Sundays, one hour for two Sundays, go. And some people say, that's a waste. But other people, no, 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 no. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to discover my purpose. I'm going to discover my purpose. It's not a waste. I'm going to discover my purpose. Some people go, man, you, listen, get plugged into a life group. Well, I only got, man, I only got one night off in the week. Man, I don't want to waste my one night off going to a life group. No, no, it's not a waste because you're going to find freedom in the context of relationships. It's not a waste. It's worship. Y'all see with me? People telling you, don't give your life to Jesus. Man, listen, sow your wild oats. YOLO. Live it up. Go have fun. And yet here you are, you're, you're serving Jesus and, and you're trying to stay single and pure and holy and everybody goes, that's a waste. Why are you wasting your greatest years doing something for Jesus? And you know, come on, it's not a waste. Come on, it's worship. Yeah. Is everybody with me? It's worship. For this woman, the, the extreme generosity of what she gave to Jesus was not a waste. It was worship because she realized that Jesus had given way more to her than she could ever give to him. I mean, let's think back of what Jesus has done for this family. Her dearest, most beloved brother was dead. Like, dead. Like, the Bible says that he had been dead for so long that he stank. And here is Jesus when he shows up on the scene and Martha and Mary come running out to him and said, if you had been here, he would not have died. And Jesus says, talk to the hand. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he says, watch. Do you believe that I am the resurrection in life? And of course, we know he stands up, roll the, roll the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. So can you imagine in that moment, the brother that is dead rises from the grave. He is alive and well. And now here they are sitting in their room eating like, how many know if you've been raised to life, how many know you got a little bit to be thankful for? How many know that Thanksgiving was a little bit different? Hey, let's go around the room and talk about what we're thankful for. Lazarus, you want to go first? <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much. And yet Lazarus is not the one that actually pours it out on her. It's Mary. Because here's what I know. Extravagant grace is always followed by extravagant giving. See, the reason why everybody else was so mad that she was pouring all this out for Jesus is because they didn't realize how much Jesus had done for them. Come on, how many know when you realize what Jesus has done for you, whatever I have is all yours because nothing that I have is because of me. It's all because of you. And so I want to give you everything that I got. Is everybody, everybody tracking with me on this? So here we are in this moment that, that what, what seems like a waste is actually worship. You only got two weeks of vacation a year, and you're going to go waste it going on a mission trip for a week. That seems like a waste. No, it's not a waste, because you're going to go make a difference. It's worship. Next weekend for Legacy Offering, 
We have an opportunity to go above and beyond what we give in our tithe to give an offering. Many people are like, that is a waste of money. You go, no, 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 it's not a waste. It's an investment in reaching people and building lives. Are y'all with me today? Come on, it's an investment in changing lives. It's a waste to people that see it that way, but how many know what is waste to others is worship to Jesus? And some of us in here are, are on that line right now where we're trying to figure out because we're hearing different people say things. And, and, and some of us are hearing people talk to us about the things that we're doing in our life. It seems like a waste. But notice this. Jesus never stopped her gift and said, oh, that's too much. Jesus never tells her that's too much. Because many of us has bought into the lie that I don't want to, oh, I don't want to give too much. I don't want to do too much. But how, how many of you know there's never too much when it comes to God. We have bought into this lie that Jesus just wants our one hour on Sunday. How many know Jesus don't want your one hour on Sunday? He wants all that you got. He wants everything that you have. Don't waste your time on religion. I would agree. Don't waste your time on religion, but you can waste it on Jesus because he's worth it. He's worth it. I, lo I love what Martin Luther said. Look what Martin Luther said. I wrote, I wrote it in the, in the notes. It says, a religion that does nothing that saves nothing, that gives nothing, that costs nothing, that suffers nothing, is worth nothing. Is that not true? Anything that is in your life right now that matters costs you something. It costs you, you're inconvenienced. You have to be inconvenienced to have this. Anybody married? Has it cost you something? If you're not shaking your head, you're not married. <laughs> yes, it costs you something. It costs you your convenience. Anybody have children's? So a couple nights ago, I'm sleeping in my bed, and then all I hear, uh, is that a dream? Please let that be a dream. Lindsay's like, get up! <laughs> And in the middle of my hallway, my son has vomited everywhere. You know, and, and so the, 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 there's, you, got two, you, got, you got a decision to make right there. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm going. Shut the door. Hey, baby, just let me know when you got it done. But I want to stay married. So, <laughs> so it's like you go into go mode. What do you, three, it's three in the morning. And there, here he is, he's, he's on the toilet on one side, Lindsay's catering to him, I go and get a, get a, a dustpan. Yeah, y'all welcome to my world, yeah. Dustpan, I'm dusting it up. Because anything that matters inconveniences you. My kids matter to me. So I'm going to love them. My wife matters. I love, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do, do what I can to try to help because they matter. And, and the same is with our relationship with Jesus. If, if Jesus matters, you're going you're gonna to give what you can because he matters. Like, that's how we work in every other relationship. Like, you give your best to your job. Because it matters. It inconveniences you, but it matters. And the same is true with our relationship with Jesus. So if we want to be a people that make a difference, 
We've got to give what we have. Number two, you've got to do what you can. I know this is like deep today, super deep. Give what you have, do what you can. Notice what this verse says next. Watch, it says, but Jesus replied, they're criticizing. How can you waste this? So expensive. You could have done so many other things with this money. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you criticizing her? Which, by the way, oftentimes what other people are criticizing is what Jesus celebrates. What other people criticize, Jesus often celebrates. You're criticizing her for doing a good thing. And now, and now here we go. Because she did what she could. She did what she could. She didn't do everything. She didn't do what everybody else did. She just did what, what she could. I think this is probably one of the most powerful parts of this whole message. Is she did what she could. And because she did what she could, I'm going to tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered. She did what she could. Have you ever noticed that oftentimes for us, if you can't do everything, you do nothing? Y'all ever notice that? I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. If I can't do it all, I don't want to do it at all. If I can't do everything, I'll do nothing. So if I say like, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out, you know, three days this week. And I miss the first day, I go no days. Anybody? Can, can someone get, can I get a witness by somebody in this room right here? Okay. If I can't do something, I do nothing. The problem is you don't realize in the kingdom of God, a little is a lot. So even when you can do what only you can do, then something at least begins to happen. Mary didn't do everything. She just did something, and Jesus loved her for it. And so oftentimes what ends up happening in our lives is instead of, we're often telling Jesus what we can't do instead of what we can do. So God is going, hey, I want you to do this, and you go, I can't do that. I want you to step out and lead something. I can't do that. I want you to go talk to this person, man, just pray with him. I can't do that. And we are constantly telling God all the things we can't do. But have you ever thought to maybe ask yourself the question, what can I do? Maybe I can't do what she's doing. Maybe I can't do what he's doing. But how many know I can do something? I've got a part in this to play. And Mary knew that. I, I, I got to do something, and I can do something right now. He's right here. I've got to do something. I'm going to do what I can do. I don't have much, but what I do have is my best. I'm going to give him my best. And she did what she could do. I think about this in scenarios of, of even some of the stories that we told this week, as we, I mean, uh, this, during this series. Think about it. Last week, what could Peter do? Well, he had a boat. That's what he could do. He could fish. So Jesus says, let's start there. And so Jesus asked to use his boat. And because Jesus was allowed to use Peter's boat, and he said yes, because our best is often on the other side of our yes, we realize that Jesus filled what he allowed him to use. Go back to Exodus God has an encounter with Moses, and, and Moses is in the wilderness and burning bush and all the stuff that we've heard of in many of our children's stories growing up. And Jesus speaks to Moses and says, I'm going to use you. You're going to go back and you're going you're to free my people. 
And, 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 and Moses says, but I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't talk. I can't. And I'm not strong enough. I'm not, not good enough. And I'm not, and Moses starts giving God all of the reasons why he can't. And so this is, ready? This is what God asked him. What's in your hand? It's a stick. Well, let's start there. Let's start there. Now I'm going to be with you. And so we know he goes back into Egypt. And what does God use? What's in his hand? Throw the stick down. Okay. He throws it down. Turns into a snake. Eats all the other snakes. Picks it back up. Turns back into a stick. Come on, how many know that had to be freaky? I hate snakes, by the way. Oh, God. Okay, we're, 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 he's got all the people behind him. I shared this last week. Here's the big C in front of them. What are we going to do? What's in your hand? I, I can only imagine how many times he's hearing, what's in your hand? A stick. And then here we go. The waters start parting. Man, I love this stick. You know, he's just walking through it. They're in the wilderness. They are dying. Got nothing to eat. Nothing to drink. God says, take your stick and hit the rock. Come again. Take your stick and hit the rock. I would think you would at least be digging or something with the stick. But no, hit the rock. Hits the rock with the stick. Out comes flowing water. What is in your hand? For, for Jesus, when he had thousands and thousands of people that were following him and they needed food, he said, we got to find some food. What do we got? And they go, well, we got a boy and he's got a Lunchable. <laughs> Can you work with that? Give it to me. And he pulls out and blesses it and breaks it and feeds over 5,000 people with what a kid had. So here's the question. What do you have? What can you do? Well, I can't sing like they can. Yeah, maybe not. But can you pray? Can you talk? Can you laugh? Can you smile? Can you hug? Can you listen? Can you write? What can you do? Oftentimes we are so filled with what the world tells us what we can't do. We just need to hear what God says. Here's what, what, do you, what have I given you? Remember last week we talked about everything that God has given us, our personality and why we're wired and how we're wired the way that we are. I mean, no, everything that he has, you can do something with what he's given you. So maybe it's just walking out of this place and giving someone a hug. Can you do that? Some of you are like, no, I can't even do that. I don't want to touch people. All right. All right. Fist bump. I don't know. Can you say, God bless you? Can you pray for someone at Walmart? Can you pick up the phone when your neighbor calls and is stranded and you can just go help? What can you do? Stop saying what you can't. What, what can you do? Because oftentimes what we don't realize is your one thing can mean everything. See, we look at this and go, that's all I, that's all I got. And the guy goes, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. It reminds me of a, of a story, a, a lady by the name of Eileen. This is a true story. You can look it up. 
I'm not making this up. She went to the donut shop, and the donut place was called Heavenly Donuts. It's in Massachusetts, and she was at, at, at the donut place getting coffee and getting uh, donuts for her family. And as she's pulling, pulling up to the drive-thru, she, you know, she goes to pay, and the lady at the, at the drive-thru says, uh, ma'am, it's already been taken care of. The car in front of you paid for it. And so she's got a, she's got a decision to make, right? The drive-thru lady doesn't put any pressure on her to make this decision, but she knows that she's got a decision to make of whether she's going to just say, well, praise God, awesome. Or to say, can I pay for the person behind me? So she asked the lady, what's the, what's, how much is it? And the lady says, $12 for the one that's behind me, which was more than what hers was. Well, the newspaper article said that one of the things that made this, this story so impactful was she had just lost her job. And, uh, and so money was tight, and, and yet she said, you know what, I, I want to I pay it forward. I want to I give to the next person. So she does, and she, she passes it on to the next person. Well, of course, it made national news because it didn't go to the first and the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh. It went 55 car lengths long. 55 car lengths of people paying for the person behind it. It ranged anywhere from $5 to $50. I mean, like to be the one that got the $50 one. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'd like to pay. What's in it? They got nine dozen donuts. What? <laughs> Kalachis. They got everything. <laughs> pay for it. <laughs> Didn't say they had to have a good attitude. Just pay for it. But here's the question that I asked. Who was 56? Who was 56? Who, when it got to them and said, hey, yours is taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. They said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Mama, get a new purse. All right, no, so. It stopped with them. Who, in this story... You know who's 56? I don't have time for it. It's Judas. Because the exact next verse, you can go read it yourself. We don't have time to go there. But the, the next verse says, and then Judas leaves and goes and asks what he can get for Jesus. And they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And it says, and then from that moment on, he looks for every opportunity he can to turn Jesus over. That a woman who poured all of her life savings onto Jesus, gave what she had, did what she could do, that the number 56, Judas, who actually was criticizing her for, what a waste! Why would you do that? You know why he was saying that? Because he held the account. Judas was the one who held all the money. And it is believed that oftentimes Judas, as the money was coming in, he was using it for his own benefit, which is why he could get mad at her for giving a year's salary to Jesus and yet sell Jesus out for only 30 pieces of silver because he was 56. Dear God, I don't want our church to be 56. Are y'all with me? We don't want to be 56. We don't want to be 56. I don't want to be 56. And I love what Proverbs says. This is what, this is what Proverbs says because I'm going to tell you, there's some urgency here to what we're doing. Proverbs says it this way. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. Now watch. 
when it's in your power to help them, watch this, if you what? If you can help. Notice, God is never going to hold you responsible for something that you cannot do. But he will hold you responsible for something that you could do, but you said no to. So he says, if you can help, which means there will be times where you can't, and that's understandable. But if you can, if you can help your neighbor when? Now? Look at the urgency that's in this. Can we do this now? Don't, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. That's, that's like when somebody says, hey, can you do this? And you're like, I'll pray about it. You ain't praying about nothing. Don't be acting like that. Make it all spiritual. I'm just going to pray about this. No, you know what that means? You said no. I love what Pastor Bubba does because often he'll ask some people different things and they'll be like, I'll pray about it. And he's like, I already prayed about it. God said yes. <laughs> and I'm going I'm to take that one. Because this is what he's telling us. I, I love what Leonard Ravenhill said, which is an incredible, incredible man of God. He says, the opportunity of a lifetime, now watch this, must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. That the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the, life, in the opportunity, I mean in the lifetime of that opportunity that Mary knew, this is my moment. If, I, if there is any moment for me to do this, this is the moment now. Now, for those that know, if you, if you read the story, that we're, we're, in, we're in the end of Mark, Matthew 26 shares the same story. The next week, Ten days later, Jesus goes on the cross. So, I mean, she had no other moment beyond that moment. That was the moment. It was the, a seize the moment. Let's do this now. Let's not wait. Let's make sure that we, we take this and go now. Do all that we can do with all that we have right now for the glory of God. Because I don't know about y'all. I don't want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. And I, and I don't want to be the person that says, well, maybe tomorrow. Because how many of you know tomorrow usually never comes? I'm doing a funeral um, probably this week of a tragedy that happened in, in, a, in a family that comes to our church. And I guarantee you one of the greatest regrets is I wish we would have said some things then and we said we can do it tomorrow. That there is an urgency in I'm going to do today what I can do today and I'm not going to put off today and try to say it's tomorrow because oftentimes tomorrow never comes. And so, so Mary knew, man, I've got to give what I have, and I've got to do what I can do, and I've got to do it now. And so I just wrote down, what if we did what we could do? What could we do together that we couldn't do alone? And here's a, here's a biblical principle here. This is, this is huge. I want you to write this down. This is, we're, we're, we're done. And that is that all of us is greater than any, any one of us. All of us is greater than any one of us. You know what? Next weekend for, for, for Legacy Weekend, for our Legacy Offering, it is all about all of us doing what we can do. I am not asking you to do something you can't do. I'm asking you to do what you can do. I'm asking you to give what you do have. God will never ask you to give something that you don't have. But he will often ask us to give the things that he is giving us. And so next weekend is an opportunity. Some of you may look at it and go, man, it's all about money. And then others of you will look at it and go, no, no, no. It's all about changed lives. 
I had someone ask me and say, man, what, is this Legacy Series all about money? And this is my response to them. Were you here for Vision Sunday? They're like, yeah. I said, at the end of the service, I had everybody stand up that had given their life to Jesus in the last five years. Did you see all the people that stood up? And they said, yeah. I said, that's what Legacy is all about. Come on, how many believe that's what legacy is all about? How many of you got neighbors and friends and coworkers and strangers that you don't even know that need Jesus? That is what legacy all about. Does it take sacrifice? You better believe it does. But anything that matters does. It's just amazing that when it comes to things that are applied to the kingdom, we get sketchy about it. But when it's to things that don't matter, like a boat or like a trip, or like a shopping thing, that it's not a big deal. But God is telling us to make sure that everything that we do, we pour out our life to the Lord. How many in here have been forgiven much? Anybody in here? Loved much? Blessed much? Then guess what? We have the opportunity to give much. To much has been given, much is required. And we have this opportunity as a church because it's about our, gran- our children, our grandchildren, and thousands of people beyond that I believe they're going to reach Jesus because of you. Would you bow your heads in this place? The ultimate question, though, that we've got to ask is the one that I think really needs to be asked, and that is how do you get to heaven? What are the directions? How do you get there? Because that's the greatest legacy, is the life on the other side. And that day's coming. And I've heard many people give me different answers that I'm a good person, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I went to church, I took communion, I was baptized. Those are great answers. Unfortunately, they're the wrong ones though. Because the directions are simple. The Bible says that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless a man is born again. And so today, I want to give you the opportunity to make the greatest legacy ever. And that is to make sure that you're on the other side in eternity with Jesus. It's as simple as ABC. We admit that we're sinners. We admit that what we did put Jesus on the cross. That he took our shame, our guilt, our pain, our past. That no priest, no program, no church can ever save us from that. Only Jesus and Jesus alone. We believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. That you don't have to pay that debt again. He paid it for you. And that we confess that Jesus is Lord of our life. If that's you in this place, you say, Pastor Josh, man, I want to count me in on that. Man, I want to give my life. I want to go all in for Jesus. That's the greatest legacy. That's where it starts. That's where it begins. If that's you in this place... On the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hands up. I want you to hold it up confidently and boldly. If that's you, count me in. One, two, three. If that's you, going up all over this place. Come on, going up all over this place. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Come on, awesome, awesome, awesome. You can put your hand down right there. Now we're all gonna pray this together. Come on, church, as a, as a church family. Say, dear Heavenly Father, today, I say thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins, my shame, my guilt. You bore my sin on your body. You went to the grave. 
You conquered hell for me. You rose again to give me a place in heaven, a relationship with your Father, and a purpose on earth. Today, I turn from my sins and I turn to Jesus. Forgive me, cleanse me, be the Lord and Savior of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name.